Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker-Geist, and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process in discussions between the authors, narrators, producers, and post-production teams that bring them all together, as well as guests who have listened to the audiobooks and have questions for the creative teams. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Today, I'm really excited to have with me Gayla Turner, author of Don't You Dare. Gayla, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Becky. It's exciting to be here and, uh, you know, wonderful talking to you. Great. Well, let's start off with just a little bit of background. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about yourself, like how this story uh, came about. You can tell us your origin story, but love to hear a little bit more about you. Yeah, um, this story is is so funny because this is something um, most of my professional career has been in banking. So um, this was a pleasant surprise even to me. Uh, And a lot of it was especially surprising to probably my friends and family. They're like, you wrote a book? What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, So um, I I think the journey kind of started when I discovered my grandmother's photos. You know, at the time I found them, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to outline kind of what's happening with me and as I'm discovering certain things about my grandmother. And I really wrote more of a kind of a a general direction to give someone else to write the story for me because I I really didn't consider myself a writing, a a writer, because up to that point, you know, my career has been in banking, which is as far removed from being a creative writer as there could possibly be. Uh, so that it really has been a journey that uh, is unexpected, but uh, I, I can't um, say strongly how, how just amazing it is and how it continues to be an amazing part of my life. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. So, and, and at what point did you first uh, get this... The, the beginning, you know, where did the where did the laying that first foundation, even though you were thinking that you were not going to be the one writing the story, when did that begin for you? Yeah, I, I think when I kind of had that revelation that I'm really the uh, the person to write the story is after I talked to some of my very creative writer friends and told them what I have and this is what I really saw and I have this vision of what's happening with my grandmother and everything else and they. They told me, it's like, no, this is your story. I'm not going to tell your story for you. Uh, <laughs> so it really was in my court. And I kind of pushed it aside for a couple of years. I, I really kind of said, you know, I'm not a writer. This is ridiculous. You know, I, there, for so many reasons, I'm not, I can't write, a, I can't write a book. Yeah. And uh, after a couple of years, it just kept on gnawing at me and gnawing at me that, oh, wow. Okay. I, I guess um, this story needs to be told and I, and I need to tell it. Yeah. And was it primarily 
you mentioned the photographs. Mm-hmm. Was that primarily the that that initial source spark? That it was, yeah, because yeah. the photos themselves. Now, usually I'm I'm used to looking at like early 1900 photos and they're very stoic and people never seem happy in them. It's, right. I don't know what, if it was the time or that was just kind of, you know, photography was, you know, relatively new and if they just didn't believe that you should smile into the camera. Right. Um, but I, when I looked at my grandmother's photos, I noticed how happy they were and how um, how funny they were. They did, you know, my, my grandmother wrote captions underneath most of her photos uh, that was just hysterical. And I mm. thought, gosh, this is just, these are just wonderful, beautiful photos. Mm. Um, but then it got more surreal for me when I started thinking, wow, you know, these photos would have been dangerous if someone mm. would have found these photos um, outside of my my grandmother's friends and, and kind of a core group of people that I discovered. They were really dangerous. And they were, it was brave of my grandmother to keep these photos for her entire life. And she kept them as a secret. Uh, I had never seen the photos before. My brother and sister had never seen the photos before. I, and I questioned my mother about the, the photos because she had kept them for so many years. Yeah. Um, and she really didn't seem to know anything about the photos either. So mm. um, I just think it was incredibly brave for her, but then kind of sad because yeah. that was really all she could have um, were the photos. Right. Yeah. Now, your story is clearly very valuable, has has a lot of value for the LGBTQ plus community and brings in this historical perspective that I, I think it really frames well where we've been on this journey of recognition and acceptance and wholeness that we're we're clearly not done with. <laughs> you know, we have no. not gotten to the wholeness point, but but it's so, so important. And so Tell me a little bit about that, you know, when you felt like and what that feeling was when you felt like this is important for me to do. Yeah, I think, you know, where we were, um, you know, I started this writing this book like 12 years ago. And we at this time did not have, you know, the federal rights that we do today as far as the rights to, to marry who you love. And, um, you know, we were struggling for that for so many years. Right. And. When I was initially writing the book, I, I really did, I didn't see it as an LGBTQ story, ironically enough. I felt it really was at its very core, a love story. Um, and I wrote it to that effect that, so I want to point out that, you know, the who someone loves is really irrelevant as far as, you know, love is concerned. And the other part that I find so interesting is that from the people that write my, read my book, a lot of them, the, the positive feedback that I receive in is really from the non-LGBTQ community because they're learning something that they had no idea about. Because mm. um, I think fundamentally, um, if you're not in the community, you think, oh, well, they just, you know, we we just showed up one day and wanted our rights. Uh, we just showed up one day and 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 it just magically appeared like 25 years ago that. Right. But that's crazy, of course, because we've always been here in history. We just mm-hmm. haven't been able to tell our story or really to feel safe that we could be seen. So right. I think what I find so interesting is that 
um, I think it's an aha moment for a lot of people that are not in the community to say, oh, now I understand. It's not just it's not just us, you know, getting our flags out and, and protesting. It's we really have been here all along. Right. Yeah. It's um, interesting and and very sad how many ways we find to make love wrong. <laughs> right. Right. You know. So I love what you just said about how how this story and message can impact those who are not already in that struggle of or actively in the struggle of someone is making my love wrong. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Beautiful. I also think it's it's important for younger people because I think, you know, um we're very we're much more fluid fluid than we were yeah. in our relationships now. So I think it's important to also show them how we got here. It's a part of the struggle that we we kind of hold on our shoulders to say we need to tell the young people because uh, they are our future. And that's what we have. <laughs> we have a lot riding on their shoulders. Yeah. Uh, and I think the more that they understand as far as how we got here, uh, the better they're going to be able to pr- protect their rights as well. All right. Are there other like, what would you say if someone said, well, you know, what are the issues that your book addresses? You know, are, how might you answer that? I tried to tell a story that, because I'm not a, a person, I'm not a, a professional historian or, or genealogist. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to tell a story in a way that was, it was teaching about our history. And the history goes back to, you know, the early 1900s, where there was a lot politically going on. Uh, you had a lot of migration coming over from Europe. There was a lot of conservative groups that were trying to curtail some of their their behavior because they were conceived, they were considering them as, I guess, less uh, patriotic. And so there was a, a way that they were framing things as far as uh, what it meant to be a good American and what it, that would take. And they were framing things in a way that if I look back on what was done in the 1950s, early 1900s. And if you look at really kind of what's going on now, it's very similar. There's a lot of similarity, similarities as far as the framework that's being applied as far as what does it mean to be a good American? Mm. And I think that's one of those lessons that we have to kind of learn that uh, letting other people frame uh, our patriotism is not right. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's never gonna, we're never going to see eye to eye when we start framing things that way. But it yeah. does, you know, involve the politics involved with that. The conservative groups, you had the World War One uh, that was getting um, the war in Europe that was kind of heating up. And one of the things that I used um, in there is kind of pointing that out, that there was the World War One that was kind of starting to, to take up. Uh, a lot of time in the media or in the newspapers, there was a lot of writings about that. Um, and kind of com- comparing the struggle that, that my grandmother was having at the time, along with Ella and also along with my grandfather, uh, they all had kind of their own internal battles of, of, of war and, and they were all fighting a battle that was very personal to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there was a lot of politically going on at that time. Yeah. I want to jump into a little more about uh, about your research, but I, I also want to. You said something that was so so great that I just wanted to highlight because when you said um, the problem with letting people 
create our framework, like create the way that what uh, that we define something. And I think that that is so frequently an issue in like every area of life right, that, right. you know, when we and and it kind of, I think it happens in many natural ways, but then we it also is created as a kind of power structure thing. But, right. you know, where it's like someone we learn to not trust ourselves right. and we let go of that and we let others tell us how we should be thinking about ourselves and about life and about others and right. that's where we run into oh, so many massive problems that we have are then are trying to you know correct in our lives but right um, it all gets very confusing it, it really does. does and people are going to go always when it gets things get too scary there's when that fear factor starts kicking in they're always going to go to what's the most comfortable and that's right. what they're hearing the most and so I don't know if that's just a human nature thing or what it is, but it, I, yeah. I do see patterns starting to repeat themselves. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, I think that's the uh, amygdala brain, you know, trying to keep us safe from anything that we haven't survived already. You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more about, like, your research process. You, right. you must have, you know, gone through certainly a phase, at least, uh, of research to prepare uh, for the writing of this and how, uh, you know, what was going on in that world at that time. So tell, right. us, tell us a little bit about that. It was, it's funny because the, the book was kind of written in the order of when I was discovering things. So, um, you know, I had found out a lot of information initially on the internet, which we all do. Um, but there, account, that there came to a point where I felt that there was a, a need to go back to where the photographs were taken, and that was it, it, to going back to Amherst, Wisconsin, mm. uh, which is a very small town in Wisconsin. A lot of people that live in Wisconsin have never heard of Amherst, um, <laughs> but it, it's it's an amazing place. But um, I really felt the need to go there and and find out more about just what it might have been like to have been queer back in the early 1900s. So I, I went there with the, the mindset of just exploring and seeing what I can find. You know, I felt, found a lot more old news, newspaper clippings that were in their archive that were not online. And that's where I always tell people, they're always like, well, I want to do my, my genealogy. I'm like, okay, go to, you know, get as much information as you can on the internet. It's wonderful. But really going to the source, you're going to find so much more. There's just tons of information out there that has not been digitized yet and you, it's not accessible on the internet other than just going there in person and that's where I found a lot of addresses uh, a lot of information about my my grandmother uh, my actually my great-grandmother um, and and so I just I felt more connected to the characters as I started learning more about them mm. and um, I was able to do a lot of the the tracing of, of people based on some of the names that my grandmother had written on the photos. And so I would kind of look at the newspaper clippings around that period of time because what's so funny, that was their social media. I mean, it was <laughs> kind of like their Facebook. It would show, you know, Aunt Florence went to visit, you know, Uncle so-and-so. And, and that was kind of their way of keeping in touch with what people were doing, which I found fascinating because you could never print that in a newspaper nowadays, right. but of course we can find it all day long on, on the internet. But right. back then they really did um, give a lot of details as far as who was visiting 
And so first names were easy. I was kind of, I would start looking for patterns as far as names and reading the newspapers. It was kind of interesting because I'd start knowing the neighbors and I'd start understanding and looking at, oh yeah, that's, you know, there's this good cow sale over there. There's some good information. And so uh, you start feeling more entwined with the characters. And I really did. I felt that I was very much becoming a part of their lives because I was reading about them. Uh, and kind of started experiencing the same thing. And that's where the storylines just started pouring out. Like, okay, well, I saw Ella was in town that day, and I saw that my grandmother was also the phone girl, and she called in sick that day. Um, so I'm thinking, okay, and I knew Ella was one of the women in the photos that my grandmother was was involved with as far as their wedding. Um, and so I started looking at her finding her last name. And then I found out where she went to college. And then I started doing more digging as far as the characters themselves, because I really did want to understand them as people. What were they, what was their struggles, you know? And yeah. um, I started becoming really much um, involved. And I, I felt like I was living really in two parallel <laughs> universes and, and kind of going back and forth between the two of them. Oh, that's fascinating. Did you find that as you started to research, uh, you know, started getting other names and mm -hmm. addresses, were you able to connect with any of the other family members of I didn't. Well, I, I know it's funny because I did, you know, I found where Ella had moved to. She had moved to Portland, Oregon, and I actually found the house that she lived in. I just kind of, I want to go that, I want to go into a little bit more maybe in the next research phase, and mm -hmm. I do plan on kind of doing um, another book that involves facts, but also a little bit more fiction because Don't You Dare was really heavily constructed around facts that I had found out in dates and, and things like that. Uh, I want a little bit more freedom to play with the characters a little bit more and um, kind of get to, to have fun with them a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. But yeah. I, I wish I would have, but... Um, yeah, the, the photos themselves seem to be kind of a mystery as far as any of the, the some of the people I couldn't figure out who they were. I, right. I, I just yeah. kind of like had to imagine that this is probably what they would have based on the pictures that I saw. This is kind of the personality that I kind of got from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the title. Uh, how did you come up with it? What do you feel like is the significance of the title? That was actually one of my grandmother's photos. Like I said, she was a, a master of putting really lovely um, captions underneath the photos. And on this one, it's um, my grandmother is standing on the ground and another woman is standing on a rock and leaning towards my grandmother. And my grandmother's looking up at, at the woman. And then the caption underneath says, don't you dare. I thought it was really, it's one of my favorite photos because it does, it's just very bold and yeah. it's very sweet. Um, but it really struck me that that the bravery it took to have even taken the photos to begin with, uh, it, it would have taken a lot of bravery to, to have done that. So yeah. I just always felt that that picture itself resonated with me. And I just kind of kept that in mind when I was writing the book, that it was very close for them to be um, together, but they really couldn't touch. And yeah. that's what I, I really did. Um, I kind of, I just, I thought I, I was really touched by the photo. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. You know, um, you're probably very aware 
that are one of our core values at Pro Audio Voices is impact, you know, and, and so I, I love to find out, you know, wanted to ask you about like what, what impact you feel like your, your book, audiobook, that your message either is already having or is intending to have in the world. I think the the major impact, obviously, is to give uh, information. You know, I wrote the book to first of all entertain, and because I wanted to entertain people, uh, as far as the story itself, because I think if a person's entertained, they're more likely to continue. They're more engaged with the story itself. So I wanted to engage. Um, with telling my grandmother's story the way I did because I wanted to entertain people. Uh, but at the same time, um, like we talked about before, I want to inter- uh, I want to educate and let people know that we've we've always been there. And right. that's also for our LGBTQ plus community. You know, I want them to feel a certain amount of like, wow, because I, I, when I found the photos, the, the biggest thing that I felt was, I, I guess I felt, I felt validated. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt, wow, I'm not the only person in my family that felt the way I did. And so I always was felt like I was the only one. I'm like, and I always felt loved by my family. But when you feel like that family oddball, you, you always mm-hmm. feel that you're kind of, uh, you know, I, I just never felt comfortable in that role. But I think that's why the, the photos themselves has such a huge impact on me because I just didn't feel alone anymore. And I want... Now, if there's some somebody that's in a, a part of the country that they don't feel welcomed in or loved at, I want them to know they're not alone. Um, you know, we're we're a big community. Uh, we'll support you. We've been there. We will continue to be there. We're not gonna go anywhere. Uh, but I just want that person to feel that we have a history and that they can look back and say, "Yeah, that's my history." Yeah, that that is really beautiful and. And I want to take that even just a, a step deeper and ask you, so when, you know, when you have that impact, when people are feeling like I'm not alone mm-hmm. and that we have been here, what do you think that that, what will having that do for your audience? Well, first of all, I think if someone is feeling alone and isolated with their identity, you know, reach out to local communities, you know, LGBTQ plus community centers. We're, we're almost in almost every community. If a person's in a very small town, I want them to go to another town that they, you know, they can reach out to somebody um, to feel that they can get the support that they need because, um, you know, the the, real, the sad reality is that there's there's a lot of people that are, that are suffering from not yeah. feeling loved. And I think that's where I want them to know you know, basically where we are as a community, the stronger we are, you know, we're going to be stronger together rather than separate. And to become an active member of the community and be being visible is a part of it. I know it's scary, but it, it is a part of, um, I think, who we are and who we do, you know, the future young people who, who they need that support as well to see that, okay, how I feel is not, is not, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's just take a very short pause, and we'll come right back and talk about the audiobook production process. Great. Getting your memoir into audio can be a delicate process, best treated with a nurturing and supportive approach. Many authors assume that when a memoir is recorded, it needs to be in the author's voice. 
And while sometimes that is best, it is not always the best option. At Pro Audio Voices, we'll work through that decision with you and support you in the production process whichever way you choose. If you decide to narrate, we set you up for success with a range of options, from having an audio engineer and director on the line for every recording session to getting you properly set up for recording on your own. If we hire a professional narrator, we'll make sure the voice is the right fit for you and your memoir. At Pro Audio Voices, your story is important to us. Let's inspire the world together. So, Gayla, when we first spoke, we you were a little on the fence about whether it was important for you to record the audiobook in your own voice or whether to go with a pro narrator. And I know there are a lot of authors, I speak with a lot of them, who are in that same place of uncertainty at that initial point. Now, you ended up going with a pro, and honestly, I think that Jennifer Pickens did a wonderful job with the narration. But I would love for you to share a little bit about your decision-making process. Yeah, that was, I think I was literally, I, I could have gone one way or the other. I, I think I even brought, bought like a like $600 microphone, and I was going getting ready to pad my room. I was going to do this. I was going to go in there and and um and record it myself i was ready i was dead set that the author should be the person that's the narrator you know and then i'm like okay let me think this through a little bit more because uh, you know i've listened to audiobooks that are written by authors in by and large i'm not saying i think some there's some writers and authors that told the story really exceptionally well in their own words, written words, but when they go to speak it, it, it I've listened to both where I've like, wow, I, I, I was expecting to really like this audio book because I love reading the book. So I wanted to listen to it. But when I listened to the author reading, it was very uncomfortable for me. And, and I'm like, ooh, that was a little cringy because I felt that they were maybe outside their lane. And then I kind of like said, okay, do I have those skill sets? to read this book myself? And the answer is clearly no, I don't. I barely have the you know, the skill sets to write a book, let alone talk the words, because that is such a, um, a unique kind of, uh, it's, it is an art form for sure, right. um, to be able to speak someone's words and, and have a story being, you know, being listened to by somebody and, and having that story being told in a way that um, is going to resonate with them. Right. So I really did kind of have to to step back from myself because I think initially my ego said, okay, well, I, did, I wrote this book, so I should be the one that's going to speak the words. And then I'm like, uh, you know, maybe I'm not that person because I'm by nature a little shy. And I'm thinking this could take me five years because I will want to be a perfectionist and I'll want to make sure it's exactly right. And if it's not, then I'm going to be, you know, so I, I go, well, I need to get the story out. Um, and I think absolutely. Uh, Jennifer Pickens is the, the best person I can imagine that to tell the story because, um, you know, I, you would give me some really wonderful uh, narrators to listen to. And when she was, um, you know, I was listening to, to some of the uh, 
the audition tapes and her voice just really resonated with me. I'm like, okay, I had to close my eyes again as an, as an author and remove myself from me telling the story to someone else telling the story. And I really enjoyed it. Honestly, yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is really good. This is a great book. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Cause I haven't really read it for a long time. So listening to someone read it for me, I was like, this is good. Okay. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Thank you. And, is there anything about the the process of producing the audiobooks that was, you know, your part in that process as an author that kind of stands out to you or or was maybe surprising to you, something that you sort of, oh, wow, didn't expect that? Anything? Yeah, I think the process, um, you know, you made the process very easy for me as, as being a novice because... Um, uh, I don't know what I'm doing half the time. So when I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. So what do I need to know? Tell me. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't feel that it was, um, I was out there on my own. I felt definitely supported, which is I, I needed because I needed a partner in this process. Yeah. Uh, not just someone that's going to talk the words, but I needed, uh, I needed, um, I needed your company to realize like, okay, we're going to be a partner in this and we're going to get you through the process. So I think by and large, the, I was really surprised how easy it was, mm-hmm. uh, honestly, because I was thinking, oh, this is going to be really, you know, I was not looking forward to it, but yeah. it turned out to where um, it was a very easy process for me. And actually, you know, I really, like I said before, I really enjoyed my book again. Yeah, I great. had forgotten some of the the stuff I had written, gosh, it's only been like eight, nine years ago that I wrote it. And I, uh, you know, I've, you, you talk about it, but you don't read it. And listening to someone else read it, I could actually close my eyes and start envisioning it again. And, and I'm really, that was a really interesting surprise for me, I thought. Cool. Very, very great. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah. And, and I would love our listeners to be able to learn more about you and your writing. Could you share your website so they know where to go? Absolutely. It's uh, galaturner.com. So www.galaturner.com. Great. Great. And um, yeah. Uh, and any other, so you mentioned briefly that you may have another book, so, or that you're thinking about that. What are your aspirations going forward? Yeah, I, I really, I've kind of dived into um, just really learning more about the LGBTQ plus community, especially in the early 1900s. It's that's a period that really, um, for some reason, it just really captures me. And um, I want I want to kind of stay into that genre of telling um, historical fiction and and kind of getting our our characters uh, told and and getting that out. Um, I, I really do want to do something that's, you know, this, this clearly with my, with don't you dare, um, because I'm telling the story, we know how it ends. Yeah. So there's no yeah. surprises that my grandmother could not live the life that she, she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to write maybe a, another story that's a little bit more, I think, upbeat and a little bit more fun and exciting and, uh, maybe put some little adventures in there and some mystery. So um, that's kind of what I would like to do. Um, and I probably would, you know, I've already kind of outlined what that will be, but I think there is the research that always gets me, um, gets my, my thoughts, process, my thought process going. So um, doing research and going to different places is definitely something that I would love to be able to do and, and get, getting some more stories out for us. 
Oh, that sounds great. Wonderful. Well, again, Gayla Turner, thank you, uh, author of Don't You Dare. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Becky. It was great. It's a great experience. And uh, your team is amazing. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at audiobookconnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at proaudiovoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.